Welcome, everyone. This is a Council of Institutional Investors educational podcast. I'm Jeff Mahoney, General Counsel of CII. I'm here today with Scott Hurst, Associate Professor at Boston University School of Law. Professor Hurst is the author of a recent research article entitled Saving Climate Disclosure. Welcome, Professor. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you for having me. Professor, your new article concludes that if the Securities Exchange Commission adopts its March 2022 proposed rule entitled The Enhancement and Standardization of Climate-Related Disclosures for Investors, there's a strong likelihood that the rule will be invalidated by the courts. So can you explain to our listeners what do you believe to be the top three reasons why a court could invalidate the SEC's final rule? Certainly. Uh, So most commentators seem to agree that it's highly likely that the rule will be challenged. And there's a number of people and organizations that have argued that it's invalid. um, And there's a strong chance that those arguments will end up being successful. I should say that others have also put forward defenses against those arguments. So it's not certain either way. And I don't take a position on either of the claims of invalidity or the defenses of the rule, but I'm happy to outline the arguments. Um, So the first argument uh, is that the rule as proposed would be compelled speech regarding a political issue, which is prohibited by the First Amendment. And there's a variation on this argument, which is that because climate change is controversial, commercial speech requirements would require that climate change face strict scrutiny in the courts, which opponents of the rule argue that the rule would not survive. Um, a, A second argument is that the SEC lacks the statutory authority to require disclosure of climate risks. And one version of this argument is that the SEC's rulemaking authority under the 33 Act or the 34 Act only extends to financial matters and therefore doesn't cover climate disclosure. Uh, Another version of this is that climate disclosure is a major question and the SEC's recently adopted major questions doctrine would therefore require that the rule have explicitly statutory authorization. Um, And a third argument for invalidity of the rule is that the SEC hasn't conducted appropriate or sufficient economic analysis that would justify the proposed rule and in particular, that it hasn't shown that the, the benefits of the proposed rule would justify its costs. So, Professor, your article argues that the solution to saving the SEC's final rule on climate-related disclosures from being invalidated by the courts is to make the final rule, quote, investor optional, unquote. So what the heck does investor optional mean <laughs> And how would the SEC design the final rule to make it investor optional? Yes, certainly. So the argument that I make is that the because the SEC justifies its rule on the basis of investor demand, 
it should let investors decide whether companies must disclose or not. And what I mean by this is this investor optional approach is that the SEC would impose its proposed disclosure obligations, but that a company could opt out of particular disclosure obligations if its investors had voted to approve the opt-out. So investors would effectively decide whether a company was able to opt out of a particular disclosure requirement or not. Professor, if the SEC were to take your advice and design the final rule on climate-related disclosures to be investor optional, how would that resolve the reasons you described earlier as to why a court would otherwise likely invalidate the rule? And would it necessarily require the SEC to issue a revised proposal for public comment before moving to a final rule? Yeah, so the the reason is because making the disclosure rule investor optional would circumvent the main arguments that the rule is invalid because those arguments, to the extent they apply at all, only apply to a mandatory disclosure rule and not to an investor optional rule. So we can go through each of these and I can explain why that's the case. Um, Most straightforward is the argument with respect to compelled speech. Investor optionality would circumvent this because the disclosure would simply no longer be compelled. Companies wouldn't be compelled to speak because they could opt out of the disclosure requirement. Um, And then the investor optionality would also make it clear that climate disclosure is something that investors consider material, which means that the SEC has rulemaking authority to require its disclosure. Um, And it would be material to investors because investors in the company could opt out of any disclosure requirements if they believed that their costs to the company outweighed the benefits of the disclosure. So any disclosure that a company continues to be required to make would be disclosure that investors consider valuable. Um, we, We mentioned the major questions doctrine. With respect to this, allowing companies to opt out of particular requirements and requiring only that disclosure that investors hadn't opted out of would show that the rule was closely tailored to protecting investor needs. And this means that it would be consistent with the SEC's past rulemaking and what's permitted under the 33 Act and the 34 Act, rather than a substantial departure from those things. And and finally, on the cost-benefit analysis argument that the SEC's economic analysis didn't show that the benefits outweighed its costs, Investor optionality would circumvent this for two reasons. So, First of all, it would cap the costs of the proposed rule to investors in a particular company at a very low level. That is the cost to investors of opting out of that rule. And this would make it much easier for the SEC to show that the benefits of disclosure exceeded what would be very small costs. And then secondly, By its very design, an investor optional rule would provide clear evidence that the benefits of the proposed rule exceeded the costs on a company-by-company basis. Because if they didn't, then the company would opt out of that disclosure obligation. So the fact that a company remains bound by the disclosure obligations 
is because investors believe that the benefits of disclosure outweigh its cost. And this would support the SEC's economic analysis. Then you also asked whether adding investor optionality would require the SEC to issue a revised proposal for public comment. And I think it's possible that the SEC may wish to repropose the rule, but I don't believe that it would be required to do so. And that's because the change wouldn't impose any additional burdens. It would actually make the rule less onerous than that which has already been proposed. And the the change would also be responding to many of the comments that have been submitted with respect to the proposed rule, which raise concerns like the cost of the rule to particular companies. Professor, your article states that a critical requirement for investor optional rule is that the opt-out be approved by investors. So can you describe the mechanics of your proposed opt-out voting, including how your proposal would address registrants with dual-class stock with unequal voting rights, and whether your proposed opt-out votes that are approved by investors would be subject to time-based sunsets? Yes, sure. And I should say that the mechanics that I propose in the article are essentially guardrails to protect companies from being able to opt out of disclosure rules where their investors didn't actually consider it worthwhile to opt out. Um, so, so one key mechanic is that the rule would be opt out, not opt in. And that's because making it an opt out rule would give directors and executives, those, the people that have the greatest ability to initiate votes of investors, to initiate those votes if they believe the votes will be successful. And then there's several additional guardrails that ensure that the investors who the rule is designed to protect are the ones that actually get to decide on the opt-out decision. Um, One is that the approval would need to be after the company has gone public. So it's the public investors and not the pre-IPO investors that decide whether the company opts out. And another guardrail is that the opt-out would have to be approved by shareholders holding a majority of the equity capital of the company. And this would protect investors that hold controlling interests through dual-class share structures, like you mentioned, from imposing their preferences on the majority of investors in the company that contribute equity capital. You also mentioned the the sunset feature that I discuss in the article. And this would be necessary to protect investors if they change their minds about whether an opt-out is in their best interests. So if an opt-out decision only lasted for, say, five years, then investors would have the chance to reconsider that after every five years. And then an additional suggestion that I make in the paper recognizes the possibility that even an opt-out rule has some chance of being invalidated by a court. And because of this, I suggest that the SEC should hedge its bets by also allowing companies to opt in to climate disclosures if their investors approve. Professor, if the SEC designs the final rule on climate-related disclosures to be investor optional, as you suggest, wouldn't it thereafter receive frequent requests by some market participants to make each and every SEC rule investor optional? And how 
would an investor optional approach to rulemaking in general meet investor demand for more comparable information across registrants in the same industry? Mm. So on the first question, I think that if letting investors decide makes sense for climate disclosure, it would also make sense for other ESG disclosure rules, such as those that the SEC might be considering for exactly the same reasons that I've proposed in the article. I guess what you're suggesting is essentially a slippery slope argument that if the SEC acknowledges the benefit of letting investors decide about climate disclosure, why not extend this to other rules as well? And I think the reason is because there are clear boundary conditions for where investor optionality would be beneficial and where it would not. I think the the most benefit would be for new rules where there's considerable uncertainty about the likely benefit of the rules for investors or situations where benefits to investors are likely to vary across companies or different types of investors. And for the kinds of rules that that you're talking about that are established rules where there's likely to be little investor support for opting out, then there'd be little benefit for making the rule investor optional. So I think that thinking closely about these boundary conditions assuages the concern that investor optionality could be a slippery slope. Uh, And instead, in in most cases, it would be what I would refer to as a, a sticky slope. You also asked about whether investor optionality would lead to comparable information among companies in the same industry. I think the the key point to recognize here is that all investor optionality would do is allow investors to decide. And as you know better than most, the the great majority of corporate equity is held by institutional investors, including your members and, and your listeners. So if they believe that having comparable information on various metrics would be valuable for them, then they wouldn't support opting out of obligations to disclose those metrics, and you would continue to have comparable information on those metrics across companies in an industry. That concludes our podcast episode. On behalf of the Council of Institutional Investors, I want to thank our special guest, Scott Hurst, Associate Professor at Boston University School of Law. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please feel free to contact me at Jeff, J-E-F-F, at C-I-I.org. Until next time, I'm Jeff Mahoney. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Voice of Corporate Governance, brought to you by the Council of Institutional Investors. The Voice of Corporate Governance is a free, non-sponsored podcast that highlights critical developments in corporate governance and other important issues affecting institutional investors. The views expressed by those interviewed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CII or its members. For more information on CII and its policies on corporate governance, please visit our website at www.cii.org.